This is an ABC podcast. Start your weekend the right way with Joe Trilling. Saturday breakfast on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Good morning. Happy to be with you. And I have the wonderful Sabrina Hahn standing next to me. Wow. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. What did you do? I've been asking everybody this Uh, morning. What did you do at 6pm last night? Well, uh, my daughter uh, finished all her exams. She's a fully gung-ho paramedic along with a pile of other paramedics and they thought they'd go out and hit the town. But, of course, if you can only fit 20 people in a venue at one every four square metres, they went, ah! Lisa went, let's go to mum's place. Uh, and so they did. So it was a it was a marvellous party and I can tell everyone out there that they're in safe hands with these paramedics because we did have an emergency. What, they're having a party or place they've just graduated and yep. there's an emergency? Yep. No. Yep. But it was in my yard, what so happened? that's okay. Well, uh, Dan, who's a paramedic, is a huge fan of mine. He's only young, mind you. So he he wasn't invited, but he invited himself and then Lucy felt sorry for him. So he came along with all the other um, transitions because that's what they call it apparently. You, you, transi- you transition into being a paramedic. Ah. Uh, Hopefully by the time you've transitioned, you're... Fully, fully, formed, fully across fully it. Fully formed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully formed and uh, all the molecules are there in the right place. So I'm taking Dan around the garden going tra la tra and, and I tread on a bee. Now, I'm really allergic to bees. So I go to Dan, oh, bugger, I've just trodden on a bee. And Dan goes, well, that's okay. You're not allergic, are you? And I, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Where so, was the EpiPen? Where yeah, was the I know. Epi- it's always, I've got, I've got them all around the place. So, So I thought... Marvellous training here. Lucy had never jabbed anyone with an EpiPen before. She can, you know, do a tracheotomy but never done an EpiPen. So in front of all the paramedics, I go, here you go, Luce. Uh, she shoved that EpiPen so hard into my leg I couldn't walk for it. The bee sting was nothing compared to the... Anyway, it, just, <laughs> it was It was all good fun and uh, there's still... Uh, there's still someone sleeping on my sofa, uh, but he's under the blankies. Uh, someone came through the wardrobe and so, Chris, you're welcome to a change of clothing in my wardrobe. He came through about 11.30 at night because he was chilly. Uh, I don't think he realised that it was, you know, there's no boys in the house. There's only girls' clothes. <laughs> but please leave by 10.30 when Sabrina gets home. <laughs> there will not be breakfast made for you. Ah, but it was a top night. It was marvellous. And congratulations, all you crew. She's in black crew, so. Congratulations, Um, Lucy, now a fully-fledged, transitioned paramedic. Yes, that's right. Should we get on to gardening? Oh, I suppose so. If you've got a question. You're so enthusiastic. (laughs) Sabrina, what is going on? If you've got a I want to still party. That was a good... It's nice partying with a lot of young people, isn't it? When did you last have a drink? Uh... I'm not telling. <laughs> Her breath does not smell. I, dr- I can tell you because I drove in. Oh, yeah. uh, no, okay. it'd be the uh, it'd be the adrenaline from the epipen. Uh, mm. Patricia is very patiently waiting. She's called on one three hundred triple two seven twenty. We should probably have a chat to her now. Patricia, good morning. What is your question for Sabrina? Good morning, ladies. Morning, um, Patricia. Good morning, and can I say a big shout-out to all the fireys and all those people who are helping up there. They've done an amazing job. They certainly have, Patricia. They've been um, an unbelievable effort by every single fiery that's been involved. It certainly have. Um, My question is, um, I've got an outbreak of um, mealybugs in my garden, infestation. I should say, yep. of mealybug. Um, it started, I think I had some clivia and I was treating those with neem oil and yep. I, I thought I was winning, but nearby I planted a row of um, miniature agapanthus yeah. and I suddenly just discovered that they're not mm. flourishing because they've all got mealybug as well. Yeah. Patricia, the main problem with mealybug is the eggs are actually laid on the root system of the plants and with clivias and agapanthus, you've got the sheath and they hide in there. So 
even if you spray with neem oil or eco oil or whatever, you're not getting the the new babies up. There is a um, there's a chemical called imidacloprid, and it's what was used to be you used in Comfidor, which has been taken off the market now. So uh, the the tablets. Um, Honestly, it is so difficult to treat. Some people that want to go organic actually dig the, everything up. So they'll dig up the clivias and the, and the agapanthus, cut all the leaves off and then dip them in hot water for 15 minutes. So that heat actually kills the mealybug. So I don't know if you want to actually go to that extreme or you can spray with a minocloprid. Don't use it if anything is about to flower because it's uh, systemic, goes into the flower and into the pollen and it kills bees. Good luck, Patricia. Beth is in Wembley and, Beth, it sounds like your roses are not faring too well. What's going on? Hello. Um, No, they're quite ill. Um, I thought it was just the sun for a while and Mm. then sort of every uh, couple of weeks, you know, I deadhead them and things and I thought, okay, it's deadheading time. And I went out there yesterday to do it and I thought every single flower and every single new shoot is distorted. Okay, so thrip has been really bad lately and what they do is they suck the sap out of the developing bud and also the leaves um so uh now there's another thing that a lot of people have been experiencing problems with roses there is a virus um that's out there but as far as I know it's not in western Australia so I've got to wait to hear back from the ag department about that so stem canker will do it. You'll get thrip. Um, so for thrip, you can use a potassium-based soap. Potassium-based soap? Yeah. Yes. If you go to your nursery, they'll give you the gear. Can, uh, I, can, I, can you see thrip or you just see the effects of thrip? If you – they're very, very, very small. If you take out a dark piece of paper and you tap the buds or the leaves, you'll see tiny little elongated white specks. So that's thrip. Thrip. Mm. And what about the other thing? That so stem canker, canker, you'll have to spray with mancozeb. Oh, okay. Mm. Mancozeb. I mm. mean, I, I'm really, I'm really concerned because it's every single new shoot and every single bud. Okay, I mean, that's one coming of the up. Buds, one of the buds, you know, all the sheath and everything is black. Oh, that's not thrip. Um, okay, so I'm wondering if this is rosette, which we don't have in WA, but every other state does. So I reckon I'm going to try and get hold of um, Dr. Bugalugs, our favourite entomologist from the Ag Department, uh, and we'll grill him. We haven't grilled him for a long time. He loves coming on here, and we give him all these problems to sort out. So if you can hang ten. Uh, Beth, we'll see if we can get old Dr. Bugalugs in here to talk about this rose because it's ripping through Perth at the moment. So um, stay tuned. Yep, Beth, hopefully we'll have a bit more info for you very soon. We're going to have another update on the fire in a few minutes, but first let's just have a chat to Jane. Morning, Jane. Morning. Morning, Jane. Hi, Sabrina. Um, I've got a real problem with my oak tree. Yeah. It's a feature of our property. Right. I live under this tree. My grandchildren sleep in it up in the cubby. It's just a delight. Yeah. It's covered in um, a tiny spider on each leaf. I've sent the text through with the photos. Yeah, I'm just looking at the photos now. So it's probably spider mite. In that case, well, there's an oak spider that I googled. Doctor Google told me there yes. might be a, an oak spider. So what I'm wondering is, is it deadly? Will I just? I mean, the leaves fall off. Yeah. Will it just go away? Or um, when you say oak spider, does it? Oh yeah, look at the little dimples. That's um, I don't think it's a spider. It doesn't look like an arachnid to me. Under each little brown spot, there's yeah. this tiny thing and it lays hundreds of little eggs as well. Yes. There's one photo with all the eggs, eggs on it. On it. Really now, that's a type of scale. Um, it's not an actual spider. Looks like um, 
oak scale to me. Um, okay, so uh, again, we're going to have to get. Um, we're going to have to get. I'm going to send our producer Dr. Buglug's number because he he has nothing to do on a Saturday morning. So I'm going to get Molly to see if we can get him up online uh, to talk about that. Jane, hopefully we'll have an answer for you <laughs> very shortly once once we've spoken to the entomologist. It's quarter past nine on ABC Radio Perth. ABC Radio, fire ban information. Good morning, Molly. Oh, tell us the latest about the fires. Hey, Joe. So there's still an emergency warning in place for the fire burning to the northeast of Perth in parts of Avon Valley National Park, Brigadoon, Ballsbrook, Gidjiganup, Upper Swan and Wyunga National Park in the city of Swan. The situation has improved significantly, though. The fire is still moving slowly northwest. So 95% of the fire is now contained and just the area around the intersections of Clinton Road, O'Brien Road and Ewing Road are still holding uncontained fire activity. So do be aware if you're in that area. The area west of the Great Northern Highway has been downgraded to a watch and act. So some roads have reopened, including Chittering Road in both directions between Great Northern Highway and Wilson Road. Great Northern Highway, although speed restrictions are in, sp- are in place, Railway Parade and all local roads east of 2J Road are open, including roads in the incident area. Tonkin Highway has had all speed restrictions removed. Emergency service vehicles with flashing lights remain in the area, though. Um, A number of roads are closed, so be aware that 2J Road is closed in both directions between Bunning Road and Bailup Road, Smith Road southeast of Chittering Road, Meadow Brook Ramble in both directions between Chittering Road and Timber Ridge, Wilson Road in both directions between Chittering Road and Smith Road, Clenton Road and Berry Road both directions from O'Brien Road and 2J Road, Ewing Road from O'Brien Road and Quinn Road at Chittering Road. Do be aware, though, O'Brien Road, Reen Road and Reserve Road are only partially accessible from 2J Road and vehicle control points are in place close to the incident area. Also, Copley Road is only partially accessible from Great Northern Highway. Uh, there's also a watch and act for parts of the Avon Valley National Park, Bailup, Brigadoon, Bullsbrook, Gidjiganup and Upper Swan in Mundaring and the City of Swan. So the best thing to do with that one is check the DFIS website for a detailed map and the full list of all places affected by the fire at emergency.wa.gov.au. Just take note the Beachbrook Evacuation Centre has closed now, but Midvale and Swanview are still operating. If you're evacuated and you're keen to get home, restricted access permits are available and you can get more information on them at the restricted access permit section of the DFIS website. And a community meeting will be held at one o'clock today at the Brown Park Recreation Centre. So that's one o'clock today. Um, Also for those in parts of the Midwest Gascoigne, you do need to take action for moderate flooding. Um, Water will be moving fast and levels are rising quickly. So you need to watch for the changes in water levels. Make sure you're not playing or swimming or walking anywhere near the floodwaters and don't go near storm or drain pipes, ditches and ravines as they're dangerous. Um, And if you're driving, take careful on the roads. Thanks so much for that, Molly. What a state we live in. We've got flooding at one end and fires a bit further south. It is 18 past nine on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Roots and Shoots, gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA. And we do have some lines open, so call we in do. now 1300 222 720 with a question. But let's go to the text for a moment, Sabrina. Oh, I, just before we go to that, Joe. so while we had that break, I thought I'll play Dr Bugalugs. <laughs> what have you found out? <laughs> what have you found out? So the, the oak spider is what I thought. It's spider mites. So they are an arachnid, but tiny, tiny, tiny. Now, the thing about spider mites is they are dirty housekeepers. So they love it when uh, leaves are dry and dusty. So if you go out in the middle of the day with your hose on full pelt pressure and belt the hell out of the leaves, evict them, evict them from their little nests, um, then they, they'll, they drop out and then they die. Or you can get lacewings or predatory mites that eat 
spider mites and then there's this gang warfare of might against might and whoever's the mightiest wins. Okay. <laughs> Wearing your entomologist hat yes. there. Thank you very much. Now, Luke, Julie has texted on 0437922720 with mm-hmm. a, a question for you. She thinks they have tree of heaven suckers coming oh, up all over their yeah. yard. They don't know where the main tree is. What can she do? Okay. So tree of heaven is absolute hell. I should say, start off with. So what you do is you cut the tree of heaven down as close to hell as possible. Then in a little Vegemite jar, you mix up 60% kerosene, 40% black bream tree killer. You have a little paintbrush, you go out, you cut the suckers down and you immediately paint them with the black bream tree killer and kerosene. And it's heaven for them. Off they go. There you go, Julie. Get stuck into it. Also on the text from Bex in Bridgetown, Sabrina, oh, this is this is a lemon tree question, so mm. this is going to be the only lemon tree question, I think. Yeah. <laughs> My lemon tree fruit's about 10 months of the year, but I have no idea what type it is. It's quite big and old. I want to know when I should prune it back. When should she prune it? Okay, so uh, that will definitely be a uh, Eureka lemon because Maya lemon only fruits for about four months of the year and then goes off the boil and then fruits for another couple of months. So you've got a Eureka. You can prune them at the end of summer is the best time. Don't do it midwinter because I don't know where you live. Um, but in cold climates, they don't like it. So end of summer, get the chainsaw out or... I, I like the reciprocating saw myself personally uh, and hook into it, hack it. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Ellen is in Augusta. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, how Ellen. How are you, Sabrina? I, I'm dangerously well. So, well, uh, <laughs> so I don't know if you can help me. I've got a kangaroo problem. Yeah. We've got mum. Big Daddy, Joey, Uncle and Auntie. <laughs> you got the whole family. And, yeah, decided to come and live with us. Ah. Oh. Apart from digging up the lawn, mm. eating every leaf off the roses and the low bushes. Yeah. Um, they're just running. I've been running around with a, 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 a saucepan and a big spoon. Yeah. Noise. Yeah. And uh, we've got the spud gun. <laughs> and I've. And I've thrown oranges at them, mm. but um, they're just uh, they're just decimating everything. Oh God. Okay, now, Ellen, there is a website that you will find very helpful. Mm. George Lulfitz did an experiment many years ago um, and he made up a list of kangaroo-resistant plants or plants that they didn't really like to eat. So if you go on, uh, if you just Google uh, George Lulfitz kangaroo plants, it should come up. I think he did it in conjunction with Murdoch University. So if you can't find it through that, go through Murdoch Uni. Um, And the other thing is they are herbivores. So when they smell something like protein or blood, or bone, they don't go near it. So some people sprinkle, they go and get blood and bone, they sprinkle it all around their prized plants because once the roots sniff that there's something's been killed and ground up, uh, they, they tend not to go near it. There you go, Ellen. You've got a few ideas happening. Uh, on the text, Jan in West Swan is asking, what is causing spotting on her flame tree Oh, that looks terrible. They they don't look very happy, do they? It's a mottled spotting. Uh, Look, I think spider mite have clearly been really bad this year. This Um, is another victim. That's another victim to the mites. Um, So, again, if you can, uh, hose, get the high-pressure hose out and just blast the hell out of those leaves. As high as you can get. You'll know if you're too close because the leaves actually come off the tree. Okay. Mm. Too hard. Too, good luck too with, hard. Good luck with that, Jan. Lee, you're in Tom Price and you've got something going on with your gerberas. What's happening? Good morning, ladies. I have. Um, I've got I've quite a large garden bed of gerberas mm-hmm. um, and the middle ones are starting, the leaves are like going red. Oh, 
like a maroni red and they're, they're like crispy around the edges. Okay, so that could actually be a fungus, Lee. Yeah. Now, the, see, the problem is it's a little bit toasty up in Tom Price and if you spray a fungicide on that now, they're just going to sizzle. Sabrina, it's been raining here for a week on and off. Oh, well, you can't spray Overcast either because it's... <laughs> of course, you've got all the rain. Yeah, yes, the cyclone. Okay. Um, well, you're not going to be able to do... You've got to get that little window between the rain stopping before it's 40 degrees again, <laughs> Lee. Okay. So, <laughs> so lucky. I, I would use Mancozeb. And make sure you get right into the centre of the plant. Okay. And then cut off, I'd cut off some of those affected leaves as well. Right. Try and leave a bit there though because you don't want them, I you think know. I should dig the ones around it up because we're getting ready to leave and, you know. Yeah, definitely. To... Yeah, if you're getting ready to leave, yep, definitely. Yeah. All right, awesome. Thank you for your help. Okay, and good luck. Good luck, Lee. Good luck with that, Lee. Petrus, you're ringing all the way from South Australia. What are you doing listening to us in South Australia? Hello. Hello. (laughs) Sabrina. How are you, my friend, all over there in South Australia? Well, the funny thing is um, I was only talking to a mate of mine last week and he works in um, around the Kalgoorlie area now, Brooke Duffield. He's my very best friend who I've got a job in Tananara, and he said, I work with Sabrina. Yes, he did. Get out of here. Aww. I said, I love Sabrina, and you lucky smugger, did you get an autograph? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a champ, an absolute champ. You know, I'll, I'll quickly tell you the story of what happened there. I was um, up in Tananara and uh, working for Community, uh, Community Enterprise Australia. Yeah. And... Um, I was leaving to go to another company, and uh, Pauline, my boss, said, do you know anybody? I said, well, yeah, I do, actually. And she said, oh, okay, we'll give him a call. And he was tuna fishing at Victor Harbour here in South Australia. Right. And I said, Brooke, I know that you started your life off in the Kimberleys. Do you want to go back up there? He said, what do you mean? I said, oh, I've got a job here, just a just a part-time job here. They'll fly you up and everything. And he said, oh, I'll think about it. I said, no, you won't. You'll say yes or no right now. He said, well, I'm tuna fishing right now. <laughs> Give him a, a big hello from me. I will, yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's, a, he's as tough as nuts, but uh, he's got a big heart. Yeah, he's, he certainly does. Anyhow, other than that, my question is, or not question, my problem is, Yeah. I bought um, a beautiful lemon tree, uh, Liz, Lisbeth. Uh, yeah, Lisbon, Lisbon lemon. Lisbon, yeah. Lisbon lemon. Yeah. In that big green shed hardware yeah. store. Yeah, yeah. And it was very healthy. It had five lemons on it, and uh, it was about two, uh, two and a half foot tall, I suppose. Yeah. So I brought it home. I got the best potting mix you could get for it, and yep. um, and uh, it died. Oh, well, that's that's a bit disappointing, there, mate. Well, a I, week I, a week I... a week later, Sabrina, we had that forty three degree day. Mm. I'm just wondering whether that. Yeah. I reckon that's, uh, well, um, it's just unfortunate timing on your part. Um, look, just go get yourself another lime tree. Petrus. Lemon tree, it, rather. It's not going to come back. It's not, no, no. Off to the nursery. It, yeah. it and is. we're too far away from Easter for miracles to occur. So, no, nah, just go and buy yourself another lemon tree. It's 28 past nine on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Let's fit in a quick text before we get to your song. Mm. And, um, We've already had some texts commending you for your track last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a big fan, I have no, to say. No, I could see that you weren't <laughs> sort of getting into the groove there. But I think this might go down a, a little uh, better. I think. And then we've got some. We've got a very exciting guest to come in. We do. We're going to introduce do- you it's to not an, Dr. Old friend, an, yeah, old an old friend. Yeah, an old friend. But first, we're going to bugger you off. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to say, see you, Joe. It's I been can nice go back knowing to having you. sleep-ins yeah, and having to deal them. with my children instead of you. Oh, no. Well, well, it's a similar probably. <laughs> uh, on the text, Lindy in Maidervale has asked about her passion fruit vine. The top half has been stripped back. She's mm. thinking it's the black cockies at work. Should she cut it 
That's definitely not black cockatoos. Um, but yeah, it's got, <laughs> it's got, doesn't have a lot of leaves on it. So I'd say it's more like the pink and greys or parrots, but definitely not the black cockatoos. So I'd say the, there's some bird that's definitely uh, just stripped that. Prune it back now and it'll all, you'll get all new growth coming back. Okay. Good luck with that, Lindy. Uh, 9.30 on ABC Radio Perth and WA. We're about to get to a song. But first, I would like to introduce the wonderful Ro Edwards into the studio. Ro is going to be the Saturday Brekkie presenter. I know. We thought she was coming this week and then COVID played havoc with that. Mm. Ro, welcome. Thank you. How oh, are you? You're going to love it. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. A little scared. I know... Um, Keeping control of Sabrina <laughs> isn't the easiest of tasks, Joe. I've been watching your face and your concern as she... Don't even try. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I do have control of her mic. I can uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> she does that and I keep turning it back on, Ro. I know that trick. But how exciting to have you back on the wireless. It's been quite a few years. It's been 10 years this year. Um, wow. Almost Almost to the date. I think it was the 14th of Feb that I um, finished up 10 years ago. So a little bit crazy to be back. I've um, mm. kept touch a little bit and uh, did some sports crosses with Jeff over the years and um, a few other bits and pieces. But, yeah, very scary to be back on that side of the desk next and, week. And I hear you're a big fan of gardening. <laughs> <laughs> I like all my presenters. I um, Yeah, I'll be sure to have a notepad that I'm frantically... <laughs> Do you know one thing I must say, that roses are the most resilient things. I have a beautiful old cottage that has Arctic white, beautiful roses out the front and it looks amazing Mm. and I do so little to look after them other than ensure they get pruned, what is it, July, August, sometime? You know more than me. I wouldn't even know where to start with pruning roses. (laughs) Yeah, and someone told me when they, you know, start looking a little bit ugly, just cut it off at the ugly bit and they'll come back beautiful and... They're still alive. I give you three weeks and you'll be a pro. Absolutely. Look at look at all the lessons <laughs> that every presenter that's worked with me, which must be about 35 by now. Um, <laughs> do I wear them out, Joe? Do you I, think that's what it is? I anyway, Ro's very resilient. I used to uh, I used to see Ro, she would be doing the sports and I'd be doing the gardening, so we'd, uh, we'd cross paths. Old friends. Off, old friends. So I'm so excited to have you here, Ro. So you'll be... On the wireless, 6.05 next Saturday morning. That's the one, here for the Perth audience and statewide for Roots and Shoots after nine. Cannot wait to tune in. Thank you, Ro. Looking forward to it. Thank you both. Now, Sabrina. Yes. What are you going to subject our <laughs> lovely listeners to this week? <laughs> well, I thought it's been a really tough week for a lot of people and particularly everyone that's in the fire zone. So I thought I'd I'd go easy on people and I'd play something really mellow and really nice and still about, you know, an Australian theme and how lucky we all are. Uh, so I'm being gentle and nice this week, Joe. It has been a tough week, but such good news this morning. I spoke yeah. to DFES Deputy Commissioner Craig Waters a little earlier. That fire is now contained and people will hopefully be able to start going back mm. to see their properties. I think we're going to have a chat to someone who's been fighting the fire yeah. a little later this yeah. morning. But to get you there, what are we listening to? So we're going to go in. We're having a little bit of Sarah Blasco. Beautiful. So um, uh, this is an old Ganga Chang for those to old folk out there who would know this tune very well, particularly on Australia Day. I hear the sounds of them and people talking, the scenes recalled by minute movement and songs they fall from the backing tape. That certain texture, that certain smell to lie in sweat on familiar sheets in brick veneer. Unfinanced beds In a room of silent hearted flags 
That sudden texture, that sudden smell That brings home the heavy days Brings home the nighttime swell Out on the patio we'd sit And the humidity we'd breathe We'd watch the lightning crack over cane fields Laugh and think this is Australia Sarah Blasco there with the sounds of then. That was a mm. much gentler song mm. for people, Sabrina. Yeah, I, I'm kind sometimes. Won't be kind next week, so don't get used to it, people. 22 to 10 on ABC Radio, Perth and WA. I'd like to introduce you to Rowan Carboon. Rowan's been fighting the Wurraloo fire over the last few days. He's part of the volunteer fire service and he's also a fire safety expert. Good morning, Rowan. G'day. How you going, Row? Ah, oh, no, it's, it's not Joe Row, it's now. Joe. We're just confusing. Oh, We've sorry, gone from sorry. Joe to Row. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. No, no, no. We'll you call sad? you. We'll call you Row as well, if you like. Yeah. And we <laughs> forgive you anything. I doubt you've had much sleep over the past few days. Great news this morning that the fire is contained, but you've had a, a pretty tough few days, Rowan. Uh, yeah, look, um, a lot of people have been doing a lot more than me. So it's a massive collective effort, isn't it? If everyone does a little bit. Yeah. The the the, uh, the collective effort's enormous. So yeah. Isn't that wonderful? All the volunteers. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, yep. Rowan, you've been on my show a couple of times and I just thought it's quite timely uh, to bring you in to talk about the the actual design of what you can do around your house that would perhaps make it a little less prone to um, to fire. And, and in saying that, of course, the fire, the intensity of the fires that we've had, it, I don't think it matters what plant you've got in your garden, it's just going to go up. Uh, but there are measures, aren't there, that, that you can look at in terms of the design around your house that makes it sort of less susceptible to going up in flames. Yeah, there are, Sab, and I'm, I am conscious um, this is all still unfolding as we chat. So, um, I'll def- yeah, definitely go through some of the issues. Um, I think a lot of this is about, um, well, thinking. It, if Looking at your own individual circumstances and your own garden around your, your property, around your house, and thinking about how a bushfire could behave, if you're uh, unlucky enough to have a fire come through. So um, there's, there's risk in terms of house loss. It, there's, a, there's a whole range of factors which determines whether houses are lost or not in a bushfire. Um, there's been research done going right back to 1944 following large bushfires in Victoria. So a lot of research into how houses are lost. Um, and one of the key factors is what's the bushfire at, at that house? How how intense is it? How many embers? Whether you've got flames on the house, radiant heat that might crack windows. So the, we know a lot, but the solutions are complex um, and many. Mm. And yeah. I suppose it depends on the area as well, which way the, the direction the fire is going to come from. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, I like this approach. If people can visualise or get outside of your house and look at your garden, here's, here's a few simple steps I reckon that works. And it works for me. I do this all, all the time regularly, particularly coming up to summer. Yeah. Um, I, I look at my garden and I think of the gar- all the vegetation could be fuel for a bushfire, right? Yep. So that's, yep. you've sort of got to think, you've got to think like a bushfire. Um, but there's, Two, you can break down all the plants and the mulch. You can break it down into two components. You can break it down into fine fuels, which, if to put a technical definition, everything in the vegetation and mulch less than six millimetres in diameter. Yep. You've got skinny little fingers. That's about the width of your finger yeah. or, or yeah. a pen. You've got fat fingers. You better 
find a pen. <laughs> um, so, and then and then everything else, you know, the larger branches, the, you know, the logs, maybe the sleepers on your garden edge, they're they're the heavy fuels. They're they're less important for that for the fire front and the intensity of a fire front coming up to your house. Yeah. You know, um, we all know about you never put your wood heap right, right you know, at the back door. So <laughs> yeah, to the, lead the fire into your house. Yeah, mm. yeah, because the heavy fuels will burn for days. Yeah. Um, I was out the other day putting out tree roots that were four, they'd gone four or five metres underground and um, they'll still be burning in a week's time. So there's something to do. Character, look at your garden. Is it Where are the fine fuels? Where are the heavy fuels? Now... A bush fire front loves the fine fuels. They dry out quickly. Mm. They, you know, the heat makes them gas and they explode. They just, you know, the flames go through the fine fuels very quickly. And I think, I think I've said it on your show before, we've all stood around a bonfire and some young fellas grabbed the, you know, the head of the eucalypt branch yeah. and it on and <laughs> everyone runs out a few <laughs> metres saying, don't do that again, yep. little, little smart Alec. So... Yep. Um, so when you do that, I suppose then then you start to think, well, here's here's where all the fine fuels are linked together. You know, they come from the bushland all the way up to the back deck, or they lead all the way up to my kitchen window. Or so so these are the problems. These are the corridors. The fire will burn right up to your house. Yeah. Um, it, and it's not always. Um, it's not always just the one direction. I think sometimes we over-focus on, oh, the fire can only come from this direction. The fire creates its own wind at the fire front mm. and bots can jump over your house and rush back towards the fire front. So you can have fire fronts coming from multiple directions around your home. But the, so, the, yeah, the key is, is where are these fine fuels in my garden? What can I do to break them up? Yeah. Separate them. Yeah. And Rowan, there, there are, yeah. I, I think up in the, uh, in all those areas too, local councils and things have workshops, don't they, for residents that they can go along to and uh, find out exactly how they can design around their garden to, to try and minimise the effect of fires around the house. Um, are they, they're still doing that? Yeah, look, um, I'm in the Mundaring Shire and they've got a couple of permanent staff who provide advice to all residents um, yeah. on their garden design. I know there's a couple of offices in the city of Swan. So, yeah, it, it, it you know, helps to be proactive, make phone calls, mm. head on down to your local brigade on a Saturday morning when, when the, the brigade's doing training and um, ask around. And yeah. people who've defended homes know what burns near homes mm. and um, they can provide provide good advice, you know. But breaking up the fine fuels into clumps, rem- yeah. maybe removing the middle story in, in your garden structure separates ground fuels from canopy fuels. Rowan Carboon there, who's been fighting the fire over the past few days with some some really helpful advice. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Rowan. It's um, it's really good to have just some handy, simple, you know, hints on on what you can do. It is quarter to ten on ABC Radio Perth and WA. This is Roots and Shoots. Text on 0437 922 720 or call 1300 222 720. And Karen has called in. Karen, you're in Sawyers Valley and you have some white fungus in your soil. Yes. Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, I, I got some horse manure a while back mm-hmm. and I think ever since I started spreading that around and, and digging it into holes and planting things. Um, every time I water places, all these white mushrooms pop up and I had a couple of little fig trees and they were never doing any good anyway. I dug them up to repot them and the soil was just white with this fungus. Yeah. And, and they had like little nodules on their roots as well so there might be some nematodes going on. But I just wondered what I can do about it. Um, Karen, did you so you just put horse manure on, not not mulch? It was horse manure. 
Yeah, it was horse manure and then I mulched the top of it. Okay. So what was the mulch? Um, wood chips. Okay. Now, what happens with uh, mulch and manure when you put all that? that it, needs, it needs a bacteria and a fungus to start breaking it all down. Now, that white stuff you see is the actual threads of the, of the mushrooms. It's called mycelium. So you've got all these little tiny threads that are under the soil and they're actually breaking down the horse manure and the mulch. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's, there are some bad fungus, but that may not be one of them. The only thing I would suggest is that you go and get yourself a wetting agent because some of that fungus can actually form a hydrophobic film, which means the water can't penetrate. So um, I wouldn't worry about it being detrimental to your plants. If you've got sort of lumpy, warty nodules on the fig, then that could well be uh, nematodes, root not nematodes. But just go and get a wetting agent, water that in really well, and then I wouldn't be too concerned about the mycelium that you can see under the ground. Good luck with that, Karen. Let's have a chat to Marie. Marie, what's your question for Sabrina? Hello, Sabrina. Hello, Marie. I'm phoning about having a lot of ants in and around my kitchen. Oh, right. And, And they're little, they're so small. Tiny, tiny, tiny. They're probably the coastal brown ant, Marie. Now, there is a – don't just go out and buy – there's about 10,000 ant killers on the market. A lot of them are not effective. There is one that has a lure that, that will attract about five or six different species of ants and uh, you just put it – you sprinkle very small amounts where the ants are, are, are travelling – Um, And I can't give you a product name, but what I can tell you is that if you look for something that has an electricity company name on it that starts with S, that is the gear that you want. Marie, I hope you have got your detective hat on and can decipher. Marie, if you stay on, on the line... I will get Molly to take your phone number and um, I'll give you a ring after the show so that you have the name of that. Good luck, Marie. And just a question, Sabrina, with Mm. ants and putting those sort of sprinkling things on Mm -hmm. top of them. If you've got chooks in the garden, do you need to be extra careful? If you've got chooks, children, particularly children with bare feet, People put, they sprinkle ant dust around like it's talcum powder. The chemical that's in a lot of those ant dust can actually be absorbed through your feet. So your pets and and yourself and your kids, it is not a good idea. No one reads the instructions in the back. It's not meant to be, you know, thrown around like chook food. Um, Never use it where the chooks are. Absolutely not. And if you read the instructions, then you put it tiny little bits in where the ants are. The one that I was talking about is actually really effective for the coastal brown ant and the Argentinian ant. So, And you use very small amounts and it lasts for about eight months. And so if you've got them in the kitchen or in the bathroom, for yes, instance, and you're yes. putting them inside the house yes, you on have, those areas. Okay. So you don't put it on the kitchen bench. You have a very small... Little like the lid of a milk it. lid, yes. Um, and you just put a small amount of that on the bench top on the track where they're, they're coming through, and then they don't take it back to their nest. And yeah, well, they they ingest it, and because ants um, tongue kiss all the time, basically. <laughs> I've now got a mental image <laughs> of pashing ants, but anyway, continue. <laughs> Uh, then it gets passed back through the nest. So, um, yeah, so do not sprinkle that ant stuff. Most of it's not effective, but there is one, you know, and it's the only one that I, I use because it's 
you know, it does. Oh, just... Although, mind you, Joe, I do like – I don't mind the uh, Coastal Browns because they come and clean uh, the All kitchen bench. Yeah. <laughs> so sort of, a, you know, I let them go for a while and go, no, it's all clean now, time to go home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, good luck with your ants is all I can say. Good morning, Rudy. You're in Geraldton. What's your question for Sabrina? Um, I have um, – we grow the macadamia nut tree yeah. for a while now. Yeah. And this year is the first year that we have fruit. Yeah. Uh, but we only have like half a dozen of we in Geraldton. Yes. How, how do we get to, you know, have a lot more fruit, Sabrina? <laughs> okay. How old's a macadamia tree, Rudy? Uh, I think we have it for about six years. Right, okay. So it should be fruiting now. Now, depending on uh, which macadamia it is, sometimes you need two for cross-pollination. We have two, yes. Oh, you've got but two. The other one, Perfect. the other one haven't got the flower. Okay, all right. Okay, so, Rudy, you have to try and up the humidity. So they require a lot of water in summer. Yeah. Um, and they like it really humid. So get some, and they, and they like it, you know, quite a rich soil because they come from Queensland. Yeah. So go and get yourself some compost and some cow manure. Yeah. Mix that together. So yeah. two thirds compost, one third cow manure. Mix yeah. it together and then spread that all around the base of the macadamia trees. Yeah. Make sure it's not touching the trunk. Though. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, put in a slow release fertilizer and water it in really well, and that will, you know, you've got to get a slow release fertilizer that's got high potassium in it, um, and that should do the trick. Good luck with that, Rudy. It's six to ten on ABC Radio Perth and WA. We've got a few minutes left for a, we do a couple more calls. Let's have a chat to Jane in City Beach. What's going on with your lawn, Jane? Oh, thank you very much for giving me an air. Ah, it's our Um, pleasure. um, My cooch lawn at the front is almost dead and it's not because it hasn't got enough water. The sprinklers haven't been good. And I had a plan that I'd put on some wetter sea salt, wetter soil sea salt and some fertiliser and hope the rain would water it in. Yes. would burn. Yes. No, no, it won't burn it, Jane. That's a... That's a good. That's a good thing to do because I think we're going to get a. Well, we'll get at least five to ten mil today, I think, and maybe more tomorrow, hopefully. So it's a great time to go and put a wetting agent on. Perfect timing. I hope that uh, that lawn improves for you, Jane. Let's go to John in Beverly. You've got some strong wind out there, John. Have you? Oh, hello, John. Are you there? Yes, I am. Are you there? Yes, we we are. <laughs> well, whether okay. we're we're all have, here is another matter, but yep. I have two problems. Mm-hmm. One is the wind. One is the water. Yeah. So, start with the water. I only have more water, right. which is very salty. What plants can I? Ah, uh, because salt- the roses die from, from yes, putting in. Of course. More water. Yep. You know the best plant for you, John, is to grow asparagus. They love salty water. Oh really? Yeah. What about what about the uh, a dragon fruit? No, not a hope in hell. Um, <laughs> you're dreaming. You're dreaming. <laughs> you're dreaming, John. You're dreaming. No, they're not going to. They won't. They'll grow, but I don't think you're going to get much fruit. Do you like asparagus, John? Yes. Oh good. Oh good. Well, whack that, some of them in. <laughs> they'll do really well. Uh, it's amazing that asparagus grows on salt water. I, I'm, I'm amazed. Hmm. I am amazed. Jacob, good morning. You're in Hamilton Hill. What, what's your question for Sabrina? Jacob, are you there? No, we've lost Jacob. Let's have a chat to another John. Yes. Hi, John. Hello, You're in John. Hamilton. Uh, I'll be quick. Sabrina, yep. yes. does talcum powder, does talcum, two questions, does yes. talcum powder kill, kill ants and... Does the green washing up liquid, if sort of generally put over the lawn, will that also break down the um, the fat, so to speak, in the sand? 
Okay. Um, no, talcum powder, they don't like crawling across it. It doesn't kill them and it only lasts for about probably four hours. Uh, and if it rains, it's completely useless. So they just don't like crossing it, but it ha- doesn't kill them. Don't use detergents as a wetting agent on your on your garden or lawn. You're better off just using a proper wetting agent. Is is that what the question was? For that wet- was the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me why the um, the washing up liquid? When diluted, yes. they put them with a watering cam. Yes. Why, why doesn't that work? Okay, so wetting agents for a start have two surfactants and they're not high in phosphates or salt, which is what washing powder is. So over the long term, it's definitely not uh, beneficial to put on your garden. Good luck with your ants, John. Now, um, Sabrina, mm. Brian has asked, who was the artist on the dance track? Brian, it was Sarah Blasco. She was yeah. doing a cover of... Yep. Ganga Jang. Ganga Jang's song. Hopefully um, you like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite a new one. On the text, good morning, girls. I found some tomato seeds stored in an old shed. What's the best soil mix to try and bring these little heirlooms back to life? Lynn is asking in Nanup in our final minute. Sabrina, okay. what can you tell uh, her? Lynn, they may not be viable, but I would get a seed-raising mix first, not a potting mix. Get a seed-raising mix which has high um, coir peat in it and germinate them in that first because they may not be viable. Final question for this morning, Sabrina. How do I add clay to my already planted garden? I did add some when we planted the garden three years ago, but would like to add more. That's from Wendy, and she's an alchemist. Alchemist, you do need clay, Wendy. Um, mix it in a bucket so it's like a sludge. Um, lots of water, mix it in the bucket and then pour it in and get a little three-pronged fork and just fork it in a little bit. I think we've got time for one more. Mm-hmm. On the text, Caroline has sent through a photo of her tree in Exmouth. Oh, Caroline, not looking good, is it? It's not looking very healthy. Can you tell what it is? No, because uh, no, I can't. It looks like some sort of elm. Anyway, I'd say it's dying. Oh, and it's quite a, a mature it's a tree. Big tree so isn't it? Sorry about. It's that. not a local one. I'd say it's introduced. It is coming up to 10 o'clock on ABC Radio Perth and WA. It has been quite a week. Yes. Good news, if, you're, if you've just tuned in, that fire, the Wooraloo fire, is now contained. Hopefully the heavens are about to open mm. and, and pour rain. Those poor firefighters have had a really tough tough six days and still a 1,000 people in the evacuation centre. So our thoughts are really with them. It is 10 o'clock. Goodbye, Sabrina. It's time for the news. Bye. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.